We're going to uh, jump into the Word, uh, which is the most important element uh, that we will engage in to allow God to speak to us. Um, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12, 27 through chapter 13, verse 13. We'll focus on 1 through 13. Um, but let's pray and uh, let's um, ignite God's Word for us today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this amazing day that you have created. What an amazing, amazing God you are. Uh, we are um, so thankful. We are humbled at the love you choose to give us. Everywhere we look, your love is all around. And uh, we thank you, God. We are so undeserving of your love. We are, many times, we push your love away. Yet you love us. Yet you come after us with open arms, bringing us into you. And we thank you, God. I pray as I preach this word, God, that, that you would preach freely, that your word would speak freely, that people would not remember Justin, but they would remember your word. That they would be impressed, not by the words I say or how I say it, but by your word. And by the power of your spirit speaking to them through your word. May your word is living and... Um, it is double-edged, and we pray that it would pierce to our hearts, to our bone and marrow, that you would be glorified in all we do. Show us what love is today, God, and we may honor you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I bring greetings from the Carolinas, from Charlotte, and um, it's good to see y'all. I have to kind of be behind this arm. Uh, it's good to see y'all, and uh, Stephanie says hello for those who remember my beautiful wife uh, of 12 years. And uh, we have now Lydia, who is six, and Peter, who is three. Um, Charlotte wasn't impacted as much uh, because it's inland, but the Carolinas and mainly the coast was impacted. So please continue praying for those who've been impacted by the hurricane. Uh, we call her Flo, uh, <laughs> for short. And um, yeah, I, I think one of the things that I've been seeing um, a lot is just people coming together to show charity to each other in the times of the hurricane. Um, and as we dive into the passage, um, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Now, uh, let's read the passage first, and then I'll kind of go into some of the explaining of it. Um, please also pray for me as I finish up this one last class, Pauline Epistles. Um, I'm having fun with it, so uh, I have one last paper to write, and then I'll, by God's grace, we'll be done. So let's uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Uh, we're going to start off with verse 27. Um, that we're going to read all the way to verse 13. So if you turn with your Bibles with me. Um, as you turn into your Bibles, one of the things that you'll see, and there will be somewhat of an overlap from last week, um, just speaking to, uh, it's the continuation of the passage. And so some of the things I'm going to say as we talk about Christian worship, what's love got to do with it, everything, um, you'll see how this plays out. All right? One of the interesting, amazing things is that, you know, at this point, Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, just speaking to them and challenging them about their divisiveness and the divisions that exist, especially as it relates um, to the giftings that they have, and they're boasting about how amazing they are, like, we are so gifted, God, we have it all together, and Apostle Paul's like, wait a minute, <laughs> let's talk about this for a second, let's talk about your giftings, and let's talk about what this is all really done for and used for. So we see Paul setting this up, and he just got done, as Pastor Stan preached last week, on dealing with the spiritual gifts. 
But now he goes into saying, what is this all used for in the first place? You know, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> Everything. So the passage reads, I'm putting on my glasses I'm getting older. Not old. Older. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various gifts, kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the highest gifts. And I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Praise to God in his reading of his word. Now, uh, many of you knew that uh, we moved to Mississippi. And uh, one of the things of moving to Mississippi is going to seminary. And uh, we also went to a PCA church. If you didn't know, this church is a PCA church. Um, we went to a PCA church uh, called Redeemer PCA Jackson, and we were down there. It was another multi-ethnic church, and one of the things that uh, we loved, I loved that experience. Uh, for those who know me, I've been very passionate about helping Sunday at 11 no longer be the most segregated day and time in America. Um, and so working with churches, me and my buddy Otis Pickett, uh, we work with churches to help them to think through how to honor God and worship Him through gospel-centered racial reconciliation. Um, but one of the things that I realized is that, yes, it's great when you have existing multi-ethnic churches, um, but we are challenged to see there's a lot of churches who are mono-ethnic that desire to be multi-ethnic. And so we said, all right, you know, I was challenged by uh, one of the people within our presbytery, or not presbytery, but in, in the uh, denomination, Y Plummer, and one of the things he shared, he was just like, well, Justin, if you're going to challenge churches that are monoethnic to be multi-ethnic, are you, will you be willing to go to a monoethnic church? And my first reaction was no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
I reconsidered. I uh, had an opportunity to pray um, at a men's gathering, and there were some elders from a monoethnic church, uh, predominantly all-white church, not predominantly. We were the only black people at the church. Um, <laughs> and um, they asked and said, hey, we'd love uh, to explore this, to process this, to think about what it looks like. And so uh, we decided to go. So we were the only black family at the church. Occasionally, there'd be one or two um, black singles that would go, African-American singles, and we decided to go. Now, I remember one day, um, we were just talking. We had been there for probably about six months or so, and I was talking in the foyer. We, we had some time after church. We would get together. We would just kind of talk through just just life and what's going on. You know, you know how everybody gets surface level, like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Right, you know, so everybody did the surface level thing. And um, we, we were talking, and this one lady, I, I was surprised she, she had some conversation that she went to dive deeper into. So I was like, okay. She was like, so, like, like tell me what you do. Like, like what brought you to seminary? I was like, I, I love, like, gospel-centered racial reconciliation, and, and I love to see how churches can honor God and, and come together and worship him. And you know what her first response to me was? Her first response to me was, oh, that's good. She's like, she said, but I'm just not ready to give up my hymns. And that statement rung so clear to me because her first reaction to me sharing my research and the things that I do about honoring God through gospel-centered racial reconciliation and reflecting our cities, her first response was, I'm just not ready to give up my hymns yet. And initially and immediately and still to this day, I am like been appalled, like, how did that come? I, first of all, I said nothing about her hymns. There was nothing that was even said or spoken about her hymns. I didn't say, tear the Trinity up. Like, no, there was nothing that was shared about her hymns. But what I did, what I just shared was gospel-centered racial reconciliation. And her first thought was her hymns. And as I processed that with my wife and we talked through that experience, and, and, and the way home, I realized something about that wonderful woman, right? Is that this wasn't a bad thing. She learned scripture through the hymns. She learned and grew in her Christianity and matured through going to choir practice and through reading the hymns and learning about the hymns and, and where they came from. This was all good stuff. But the filter which she had was this. Her filter was, what do I lose in the midst of worship? And I, I started to state and think about this as we think through, you know, Christian worship and how we come together and what's love got to do with it. It's like this woman, as we do as well, we often focus on what I lose versus what we gain. Many times, think about it, even in our relationships, in our marriages, right? Sometimes things happen and we focus on what I lose <laughs> versus what we gain. But in the context of Christian worship, this is the same thing. Now, we can look at this woman and, she, and say, oh, yeah, we're not going to give up the hymnals and all these kind of things. And, but my question is, where do we fall in line with this woman? Where in our Christian worship do we focus on what I lose versus what we gain? Where do our preferences create roadblocks for others? 
And these are the questions that I want to I speak to today, really, that the passage challenges us as we think through love. Now, y'all, I want to apologize to y'all because Tina Turner got it wrong. Love is not a secondhand emotion. Yes. You know, so when you say, what's love got to do with it? it everything. It has everything to do with it, and this passage speaks clearly to us. But y'all, many of us, we fall into the same condition of this woman, not only in Christian worship, but in our lives, when we focus on what I lose, but what we gain. And so I hope that this passage will speak to us and share with us how love is supposed to, to, to just embrace us, to show us not to focus on the first part of what I lose, but we gain. And the way that this, this passage, I think, speaks to us is in three ways. So the three points that we're really diving into is first, that without love, we are nothing. Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we have nothing. Without love, we have nothing. And with Christ's love, we have everything. With Christ's love, we have everything. This will be very simple. Um, It'll only take me about three hours to exegete this passage. And I'm joking, I know y'all have a meeting after this, so. Uh, so let's dive into the word even more. Verses 1 through 2. Without love we are nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. Right. And the reason this really stands out to me, as I was reading this passage, many of us, we've read this passage and we think about it through, through love and, and through thinking about what, what the true definition and picture of love, which we'll get to as we get to the end with Christ's love. It, we, we, we sometimes just stumble over the words as I normally do. I, I sometimes just kind of read over it and didn't really dive deep into it. But it caught me that there's a difference in this first part because it talks about what I am. Identity. Who, who I am. And, and so I ask you, who are you? Who are you? you know? Many of you, in your brains, you just thought about your profession. <laughs> I'm a teacher. A stay-at-home mom. I'm a banker. I am a student at Johns Hopkins. <laughs> I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a mom. Brother. Sister, auntie, right? cousin, I'm an owner of a pet, right? <laughs> Some of you said that. We, we sometimes, in our identity and focus, we focus on our identity through light labels and titles and things. But I love what this passage says. Like, even from a gifting, some of you, you're like, I am, I am a wonderful orator, and I, and I am a singer, oh, right? And I, am, I do all these things. But the thing I love right here, it says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. You know what tongues of men and angels are? It really encompasses all language, period. <laughs> if I do all that, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, if I preach powerfully and speak God's word in truth and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. You know, 
we think about our identity and who we are, all of this is wrapped up in God's love. Like, we are nothing without love. You can be the best student ever. And if you don't have love, you are nothing. One of the things we learned in seminary um, is that you can, you can exegete this passage, you can read your, 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 your book in, in the Bible in, in Greek and Hebrew, and Aramaic if you're fancy, you know? You can do all that stuff, and if you don't love the people you're speaking to, it's nothing. We can listen to our roommates, to our spouses, to our children, with the greatest skills. We can repeat back what they said to us. We can mimic their behaviors. We can even do the powerful term today, lean in. And if we do all that and execute faithfully and still have not love, we are nothing. I, speak, I see this passage speaking to several things. One, just our identity. You can do a whole bunch of things. You can be gifted. You know, you can be up here. You can marvel. Men, men and women can marvel at who you are and all these things. But if you have not love, you are nothing. And I think that has to seep into us, that in everything that we do, that our identity is wrapped in love. Our identity should be wrapped in the love, in love of Christ. And you'll see how this comes, right? Because we are nothing without it, y'all. See, I remember uh, once that uh, I was speaking, right? And I normally always get nervous before I speak. Um, but this one time, I didn't get nervous. One more time. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I just, I got, I think I got cocky, yeah. I was arrogant, yes. I was prideful, yes. I love my bald head, still do. And one of the things is, is that I was just, you know, I, I didn't, I don't think I really engaged and loved the audience. I, I, I didn't look at them as an opportunity for them to grow and to develop and to, to have greater knowledge and, and learning and understanding. I looked at it as an opportunity for me to show off. And I remember that was one of the worst presentations I ever gave. Because I didn't approach it in love. And so my question for you is, in your best giftings, in the best example of who you are, is it wrapped and centered in Christ's love? If it's not, we have nothing. We are nothing. Our identity is in Christ's love. Second point, verse 3. If I give away all I have, ooh, we love this one, don't we? <laughs> and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Second point is that without love, we have nothing. And it speaks to a level of possession. This is going to seem a little different because as we think through and process possession, you know, you, you see this passage and it talks about if I give up 
everything, right? And, and, and you see love and an agape love, and we'll get to that for Christ's love, but kind of many times interpreted charity, but sometimes we see through love. And, and we think about, you know, all of us, you, you know, we love giving to others, don't we? We love sacrifice. We love this aspect of, of how do I give up my own life? I mean, we, we, we read, and many of us, we love David Platt. Radical, taking back your faith from the American dream. You know, you see examples of people selling their possessions and giving away things and selling vacation homes and, and, and many of us choosing to, to serve others. Y'all, do you know that you can serve for selfish reasons? Do you know you, you can give away all your stuff for selfish reasons? That's really not about those that you're giving to, but it's rather about you receiving praise. You, you know that you can do amazing things in serving the community. And you see people do this all the time. They go out, they put on the community drive, they do a service, and then they pose for the picture like. <laughs> but they made sure the TV was there, right? The news was there. We can do all of these things and still have nothing. It, this speaks to possession. Not only in our identity, in terms of who we are, but, but what do we have? What do we have? We can have nothing if we do all of this stuff, and it's not wrapped in Christ's love. Y'all, when is the last time, oh, let's just be honest, let's, let's, let's think about this for a moment, that you did something for selfish reasons? When's the last time? When's the last time that... You, at your job or at home, you did something because you knew you were going to get something back in return. When was the last time you gave somebody a compliment because you knew that I was actually going to curry you favor? Y'all, in this passage we see that we can do all these things. We can even put ourselves up to be burned. And many people, y'all, in many parts of the world, do you know people actually burn themselves? As an example, and they, they state as an example uh, to show about Christ's love and, and sacrifice, there's some people, who, you've seen it many times, that they'll actually get up on a cross and nail themselves. We can do all of these things. Give away all possessions. Martyr ourselves. You know, well, we can take the martyr, martyr road at work. Like, yeah, they just hate me because I'm a Christian. Hashtag martyr. <laughs> and we can do all of that. And if it's not done and not wrapped in Christ's love, if, if our motives, if you're asking what does that mean, if our motives aren't right, if, if we're not thinking through and processing how does God get the glory, y'all, but many times it's not about God's glory, it's about our own glory if we're open and honest. Y'all, I, I remember a time um, <laughs> uh, once where, yeah, I was on a, a job, and um, at this job, you know, I had to, you know, deliver training, right? And I remember, you know, saying, like, okay, you know, I was going to help out this, this one group that needed training, and I was like, I was going to help them out, and it just, I was going to give them myself, right? I'm going to give myself away, right? 
and I was going to do all this stuff and give myself away, and, and I was going to even do it on my lunchtime, right? And, and, and I was acting like I was just a super martyr because I was doing it on my own time, and it was all this stuff. But in the meanwhile, I'm actually trying to start a business, <laughs> and I was doing it for a reason. I was doing it because I wanted them to see my great opportunities to train and that I could train well and do well. And I remember that, you know, I got in trouble, got written up, put on a performance improvement plan and all these things. And I was like, how dare they? I, I martyred myself. I did this on my own time. But yet my manager was like, but Justin, you used company property. <laughs> you have a business that does training. You didn't just do this out of the goodness of your heart. <laughs> You did this because you wanted something in return. And I fought that for a long time. And as I thought about it, many years later, I realized that was very wrong. And many of us in our same way, we do the same thing. Is that we do things. We, 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 we say things. We expect things. And we do it because of what we can gain from others. But, but this passage tells us that all of that stuff, you giving yourself away, you going and serving, you, you, you even providing meals for other people. Please provide meals for people in the meal plan. We love that. We appreciate that when we're here. Right? Do that, right? But you even doing that means nothing if it's not wrapped in Christ's love. It means Nothing. We have nothing if, we're, if all we're doing is it for us to make us look good, for us to, 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 to be seen as really good, a really good couple that comes to the church and we're, we're so helpful to other people. Yay! It means nothing if it's not wrapped in Christ's love. And, and how does this speak to us, right? How does all of this speak to us? And I think it wraps itself up in point three, which is powerful, that with Christ's love, we have everything. Y'all, let's read this passage, because this passage is going to give many of you all indigestion. Let's go. Love is patient and kind. Uh Uh-huh. Love does not envy or boast. Okay. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been known, fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. (laughs) Y'all, when you read this, some of you, I mean, think about it, including myself. (laughs) We can read this as a checklist, don't we, sometimes? Don't we? We ask ourselves, am I patient? (laughs) We ask ourselves, Am I kind? Do I boast? Am I arrogant? Do I focus on my own? Y'all, if you look at this list, like we sometimes do the fruit of the Spirit, (laughs) as a checklist, I guarantee every single time you will fail. You will fail. You will fail on your own. Every single time, if you look at it, see, this is a true test, because some of you are like, Justin, I passed the test. Ask your, ask your spouse. <laughs> oh, ask your kids. They say, are you always kind and patient? Are you, do you never envy or boast? Are you not arrogant? Some of y'all stopped playing spades because y'all were too arrogant. Okay, 
Are you never rude? Do you not, you always, you know, insist on somebody else's way? Are you not irritable even in the morning when you haven't eaten food and you're hangry? Are you not resentful? All of these things, we can look at ourselves and say that we at some point in, in the journey of our lives, some point over the last week, some point over the last month, some point over today, we haven't fulfilled. We haven't. And what I love about this, not that we haven't fulfilled it, because that's not our excuse. Oh, I'm, I'm, I can never fulfill it, so I'll just never try. No. You know what this love is talking about? This is Christ's love for us. This is Christ's love. See, this love is what's considered not the, you know, the filia love, filial love. This is the agape love. The love that originates from God to us, from the creator himself. This love is rooted and founded in God, first and foremost. As we sit here and then look at this list, y'all, many times I look at this list and I get overwhelmed because I'm like, I can't fulfill this. I, I can't, not on my own strength, not on my own power. But this is why, this, this, it, with Christ's love, we have everything. That doesn't mean I don't try to, doesn't mean that I'm not trying to be more patient, that I'm not trying to be more kind, that I'm not trying to be, that I need to be boastful, all these things. This means that through Christ's love, my motivation is out of his sacrifice because he first loved me. Because he first loved you. This is the only reason that we can be patient and kind and not arrogant and not boastful and not seek our own and not, not, not all of these things. And this is our, our call. Is are we wrapping ourselves? Are we abiding ourselves? Are we in, in, in the beauty of God's word so that he can work on us and be more patient and more kind? Are we praying to, to seek after him? But how does this all apply to worship? Right? How does this apply to worship? So I want to do a couple examples. I'm going to break all Presbyterian rules today in doing this, right? So I want you to do, I want you to, I'm going to have you do two things. I promise, introverts, I apologize right now. But I want you to do two things. The first thing I want you to do, some of you remember this, but I'll bring it back home. For a person next to you, I want you to pull their arm. Pull the person next to your arm, your neighbor's arm. Now, how did that feel? Yeah, some of y'all are like, I've never touched somebody in church before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this has never happened. <laughs> For those who hate touching, I, I'm a guest preacher. I'm not the real person, so <laughs> you can come back. Please come back, right? There was three of you, there's three of you, there's three different types of people that normally engage in this. There's, there's, there's the one person who does... Ah, oh, you asked me to pull your arm. I gotta pull it. See, I pulled it. All right. There's another person that's literally trying to tear the cartilage off the bone, like ha! Right. And there was another group of you that had this nice, this tug back and forth. This tug back and forth. And as we think Christian worship and and how love permeates of it, all of this that without Christ's love, we we. 
We have nothing without his love, but with his love, we have everything. One of the things that stands out to me is those three approaches and how we do this, how we, how we come together in worship to hear God's word and, and to sing songs unto him and, and bring offerings unto our Lord. And the thing that stands out is that there's some of us who come to this without love and we just do it simply because we are told to. I don't like that kind of song, but I guess I'll sing it because they said we should sing it. And there's another group when it's trying to tear the cartilage off the bone that's trying to make everybody into them. And that's not coming to the place where we embody the beauty of gospel-centered differences. But there's this sweet spot where I'm pulling and you're pulling, where some of my preferences are met and some of your preferences are met. At times I'm a little uncomfortable and you're a little uncomfortable. And I love, one of the things I love, you know, uh, John Piper says, one of his quotes is, differences are not the end of love, they are the occasion of love. Differences are not the end of love, they are the occasion of love. And many times we think, oh, what our differences, oh, let's give up love. No, that's not the end, that's the beginning, that's our call. And, and, and really, y'all, as we think through this, the biggest issue before us is not how we worship, it's how we love. Our, our biggest challenge is not how we worship, but yet how we love. Y'all, y'all many of us were going to ask the questions like, is that my kind of song today? Is, is that the thing that I'm into? Is that example used? And I use this all the time. I remember Pastor Craig, uh, one of the things when I first uh, came here and I first started preaching, um, you know, uh, I saw him once and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I saw him use an example of Johnny Cash. And I was like, that's cool. I don't know what to do, but it sounds cool to me, you know. But then his next example was guess what? Tupac. <laughs> I was like, all right, West Side, okay. Right. <laughs> I, I, I could identify, and what I saw him doing was not just speaking to potentially his own bringing up or upbringing. I saw him speaking to others. I saw, and so I remember my first time preaching, I took that same model, and I talked about when I was running for a plane, and I, I, I almost missed it. But I had to recognize that there may be people in our, in, our, in our congregation that have never caught a plane. And so I had to give another example of running for a bus and almost missing it. See, these are the simple things in our lives that we can ask ourselves, how are we loving others? How are we sacrificing our own selves for Christ's love to others? See, the checklist itself will overwhelm us. Yes, we need to challenge ourselves to do more of these things. Yes, we need to pray that God would give us patience in all these things. Yes, we need to engage in these things. But these are the, the, the challenges that we face, but we have to see that all of this is centered and wrapped in Christ's love. This love is eternal. It's a call for us to mature. You know, many of us are like the Corinthians church, if we're honest. We need a call to maturity. You know, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Many times in worship, y'all, we come like children. See, my son Peter, he's three, like, I, I don't believe in the terrible twos anymore. They are actually the terrible threes. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can I have a witness? Yes, all right. They're the terrible threes. Because when Peter doesn't get something, when he doesn't get his way, he does one of these things. And then he starts throwing things like, uh, right? And we say, well, what do you want? I don't want anything. I, I, I don't, give me, don't give me anything. And he does this stuff. And we're like, Peter, like, grow up. <laughs> but we realize Peter is three. And many of us, when we come to worship, we come just like Peter. We don't have our favorite song. We're like, well, I'm not singing that. Our, our favorite preacher's not preaching. Well, I'm not going to listen. We don't have a cadence in our worship, so we're like, well, I'm just going to sit here with hands folded. Service is not done the way I like it, so I just won't participate. Many of us, including myself, we come in the posture with my three-year-old son. And this passage challenges us in many ways to mature. One of the, the things that stands out for me is that it says love does not seek its own. Yeah. I want to read a couple passages, passages for us. Um, first passage I want to read is Philippians 2, which is 1 through 11. So if you turn to, with, me, with me in your Bible, I'll read it out. And I'll also read John 15, 13. Because I just think this centers, we ask what love is centers on what love is. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Oh, we need to hear that today, Lord. Do nothing from selfish ambition or consent, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and on, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Y'all, that's love. That's love. That one laid down his life for us. That's love. Sacrifice and condescend himself. Come down from the heavenly places to us sinful creatures. That's love. One that had, did, had, had, didn't have to do it. That's love. One that could have called thousands of legions of angels on his behalf yet chose to endure the cross for us. That's love. You, you ask what love is. Christ is love. God 
of love. Sacrificial love with nothing in return. Sacrificial giving. See, I love this point here. (laughs) To count others more significant than yourselves. Let me ask this question of us. Do you go to work and look at other people more significant than yourself? Do you say, oh yeah, that person definitely deserves a promotion over me? (laughs) Yeah. When, When the baby's crying in another room, and both of you are dead tired, are you looking at the other person like, are they asleep? <laughs> Don't they hear the baby crying? <laughs> Do you count them as more significant than yourselves to get up? The baby. And your classmates in school, when there's a prize to be won, do you encourage other people to win the prize? Y'all, this passage is not even saying that we don't look to our own interests. What I love here is it says, let each of you look not only to his own interests. So it's not like, oh, I have to give myself up and I don't get anything in life. That's the real Christian way. Oh, yeah, okay. It says that you look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. How do you see others as more significant than yourself? This speaks this passage. And one more that I think will nail this home. John 15, 13. John 15, 13. If you have your Bibles, turn there, please. The passage starts off with being the true vine. And it ends with this. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. But that's not how the story ends. (laughs) Three days later, he rose again. That's love. That's love. And as we think through Christian worship, and we come together in the midst of our differences, how are you asking the question? Not what do I lose, but how do we gain? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How are you coming to worship and thinking for your neighbor, oh, I hope pastor preaches a word for them, not in a negative way. You know how we do that sometimes. Oh, they definitely need to hear that word. No, 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 not that. (laughs) But I, I, I hope that word's encouraging for them. When's the last time you you came to worship and prayed for your neighbors that they would receive the word in a way that would be beneficial and helpful for them? The next time your song's not played, in your mind, your mind will still probably do this, oh, that's not my song. (laughs) But will you go to, but that could be somebody else's. That's love. I was at a church once, uh, a church in Atlanta, and visiting, and they had all different types, kinds of styles of worship, musical worship. You know, they had from you know gospel to contemporary to uh, 
A little fiddle down. I don't know what it's called. Um, they even had somebody. I just there's another word for it. I didn't think it was appropriate up here. Um, there was they even had somebody do gospel rap, and they had the lyrics on the back as she was rapping, and it was clear. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And at at the end of it, he got up and said, Hey, y'all. Some of you may have felt a little uncomfortable. And he was like, that was intentional. He's like, throughout the point of our worship, if you're always comfortable, then we have a problem. If you're always comfortable, then we have a problem. Because there could be someone else. And again, gospel-centered, focused. But if it's always about your preferences, if it's always about your hymns. And we've lost sight of what Christ is preaching to us in this passage and this love. And so I ask you to do one last thing. I ask you to hug the person next to you. Yes, I ask you to do it. Give the person next to you a big hug. That's enough hugs. Um, some, some of y'all getting a little too excited about the <laughs> You're like, yes, Justin, I've been waiting all Sunday long to give them a hug. Okay, all right. Now, you know, some of you, you know, who love to hug, you were super excited. You were like, oh, I can't wait to give them a hug. <laughs> And there were some of you who looked to the left and to the right of you and said, if you touch me. (laughs) You know, even in the midst of differences of our hugs, you know, the the normal handshake greeting, the, you know, the side hug, you know, the I'm not sure who still does this, the hand hug, the, you know, the cool, I'm going to dap you up, hug, embrace. The church hug, I'm, I'm going to hug you, but my body's not going to touch you hug, you know. <laughs> and then that full-on frontal embrace hug, right? If I ask you to really hug somebody for 90 seconds that way, me and you all up, you know. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? And I understand because it's a little uncomfortable. And I do believe Apostle Paul was challenging the church of Corinth to get uncomfortable. It's not about their giftings. It's not about their preferences. He was challenging even their divisions. But he called them to love. You know how we love? We love because Christ first loved us. That while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for us. He didn't seek his own. The Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed through the agony and anguish. Lord, if this could pass for me, let it pass. But what did he say? But not my will. Let your will be done. Our own Savior died on the cross for sins he did not commit. For people that he loved. 
And our call is to see that amazing Savior with arms outstretched on the cross for us, but not staying there. Three days later, rising, sitting at the right hand, throne of God. Because he had to complete his love for us. So if you're here and you're not a a Christian, I encourage you to think that you can be doing great things in your life. You could be a really good person, serving the homeless, giving things away. But if you don't have the love of Christ, we don't have the love of Christ. We are nothing. I pray that for those of us who are here are Christians, that this love would ignite us toward each other in our worship. I pray that this love would challenge us to not seek our own. Because the biggest issue before us is not how we worship but it's how we love. Let us pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your word. Your word by itself is rich and true and pure. Thank you that you love us even when we don't love you. Thank you, God, that we repent and ask for your forgiveness for many times we come to worship selfishly wanting our song to be played, wanting our examples to be used, wanting our favorite speaker or preacher to, to speak before us. And yet I pray, God, that you would, you would challenge our hearts that we would love you and love our neighbors, that we would desire for them to also have significance, that they would also see themselves in the word preached, that, that the Holy Spirit would minister to them, that, that some of their preferences would also be met, that, 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 that we would all be a little comfortable with being uncomfortable. We pray, Father God, that you didn't, you didn't think of comfort as you went to the cross. You thought of love. Mm. Help us to always remember the love that you gave, shed, and did for us on our behalves so that we could have eternal life, a love that never fades. And when you return, God, faith, hope, and all these things are great, but love never ends. And so we pray that we would see the eternity that you provide through the power of of your sacrifice and your love. Help us to love each other because you first loved us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.